Steelers, black and the gold. Here we go. This town of Pittsburgh's heart and soul. Here we go. The Steeler Nation. You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in This is the TSR pop where all we do is win It's just football fiends on a mission Delivering opinions of my significance Man, I hope you've been listening Cause scouting is the business You're welcome cause it's a privilege Most people in this position just don't give it away, no so all that's left to say now is welcome to the show Cause you know Jacob and Ball were ready So let's go Well, I got the gotta get it, put it in you Feeling with the feeling, don't stop, continue you love the Pittsburgh Steelers, you've come to the right place. We are back again with another awesome fan episode this week. We are going to be talking all things Steelers, and this is going to be the hardest fan episode for me to make it through personally. Uh-huh. Anyways, <laughs> now it's time to jump right into it. To start things off, we have two massive Steelers fans ready to give their thoughts on their team. One, of course, being my co-host, Bo himself, yes, and the other being Roy Countryman, the head of Blitzalytics scouting department. Roy, how are things going? Hey guys, I uh, just came off a great performance, including a lot of Jacob's work in this last draft and uh, kind of took a week here after it and spent some time with the family. But I had to keep peeking at all the news about my undrafted free agents and and, and all the news, you know, of free agents still signing. So uh, we're still seeing what the Steelers are, are doing this season, but I can't wait for for training camp to come around, get back to St. Vincent's, hopefully, even with all this mess that we have in the yeah. world. Prayers is so not excited. virtual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for training camp. That's like one of my favorite times of the year. I say every time, like no matter what part of the year we're in, when it's football, um, just when it's based around football, I say every time that we're actually in is my favorite. But training camp is one of my favorites, actually. Bo, how are you doing right now? Man, I'm doing great. Um, this is I've been looking forward to this all week. I'm, I'm happy to be hanging out with you and uh, Roy here, and I'm ready to get this thing going. Um, I am too. I want to talk about y'all's. 2019 season guys so so i'm gonna give you all a quick what my overview of it was and i want y'all to explain to me how y'all felt about it so the steelers obviously they went eight and eight last season y'all finished second in the afc north um last season was interesting you guys were going through a kind of a transition after antonio brown um and Le'Veon bell had left the team and it was just hard to watch with the whole ab thing but um Ben Roethlisberger missed most of the season last year due to an elbow injury, and your backup quarterback was brutally assaulted with his own helmet. So 2019 was a <laughs> hell to of mention, a year ago. Not to mention the Earl Thomas hit. Right. Yeah, also, also. Thank you for bringing that up, Bo, 100%. But what, I mean, what, what were your thoughts on the 2019 season, 2019 season guys? I mean, how, how did y'all feel about the season as a whole? For me, it, it was like riding on a wave. You know, early in the season, it was all hands on deck i know bo's probably like me it's like oh this is just another 10 and 6 11 and 5 year we're going to be hitting either you know the five or six seed or maybe win the afc north we knew baltimore is going to be tough you know they're building a juggernaut with a lot of young talent there but whenever you've seen roethlisberger walk off the field it's like oh well there goes the season and then you see out of the blue we go out and make a trade with our first round pick which was the first time in over 30 years that we didn't have a first round pick this year and to go out and trade, that just shows how aggressive our front office believes in our team. And at the time, everybody in Pittsburgh media was murdering that front office because it's going to be a top five pick. You could go out and got Tua to replace Big Ben because of this arm injury that supposedly wasn't Tommy John, but could have been Tommy John. And it never will kind of, you know, give that strictly, you know, if it's a yes or no, if it did happen. For me, I, I think it was just really they made the best of a bad situation. That defense, if it can come back and play even 80% of what it was by the end of the year, 
our team is going to be legit scary Super Bowl contenders with a healthy Big Ben. And uh, I just think, you know, I'm actually pretty comfortable with Mason Rudolph. I know he struggled early on. Duck Hodges, I fell into the fat. I was I was riding that wave, and it was fun to see that, you know, that story, that Cinderella story going from a camp phenom into making the team and then to start some games. But, but Mason Rudolph is the guy that they're dependent on for the future. I'm not saying I'm sold on him, but I'm comfortable with this backup situation. And he really showed me a lot of metal coming back late in the season before his end of the, you know, the season ending injury. He really put up good stats in that last half or so before he broke his collarbone that gives me not as much angst going into this season if Ben would maybe go down with an injury that we couldn't still play 9-7, and 10-6 football. Yeah, Bo always talks about, you know, I hate getting on the conversation <laughs> with Bo when we bring up, like, defense. Because oh, yeah. obviously Bengals are just atrocious at defense right now. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but Bo, Bo loves talking uh, the Steelers' defense. And, I mean, they are legit, 100%. And I think, the obviously, the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, that's a worked out. Up till now, that looks like a steal right now. And I don't even know – I don't know what, what – pick was it exactly that was traded for Minka what did, just, the, what did it the, was ju- it was just whatever our first we had we did they hadn't like had figured out what our first round pick was yet. it just depended right. how our season fell we were basically in control of the value of the pick if we get a good record we give them a late pick we hit on that trade if we falter and they get a top 10 you know top eight pick that 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 kills us you know because I think he was 11th overall draft pick by Miami yes, originally so we really had to not fall below that 11 mark to really hit on value for that trade. And well, I think the, they definitely they, hit. They flipped the late round pick too, which if you look at it in the whole grand scheme of things, they flipped a fifth for a fourth with the Dolphins mm-hmm. to kind of just you know even out some uh, some of there. So we might have picked up another player, and I, I'm not sure. I think it was the McFarland pick. It, it was. It was. was was who we got out of this. So mm-hmm. you're you're basically moved up an entire round. And you might have a, a high majority player in your in your running back committee now, as well as Minka. He's a home run hitter, that McFarland yeah. kid. I'll tell you what, absolutely. Yeah, I like Anthony McFarland a whole lot. He's a burner, and obviously we'll jump into him in a little bit when we start talking mm-hmm. about y'all's draft. But let's go through some key free agency ads and losses you guys went through. Um, some of the ads. So these are some of the bigger ones that I saw. I really like the, and I guess I'm gonna say it right. Kavon or Kavon? I don't know if it's Kavon or Kavon Walker, the defensive tackle from the XFL. He was actually the XFL sack leader. Um, which way am I saying that? Am I saying that the wrong way, Bo? It's it's Kavon, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And then y'all got. I, I'm not gonna be able to say this guy's name either. Stephen Wisniewski. Stephen Wisniewski. Stephen I cannot say his name. Um, but obviously y'all got an upgraded guard, and I think this guy's going to come in and start immediately. Y'all may not agree with me, but I think he's going to come in and start. He has Super Bowl experience too, so I think that's a great signing. Obviously, Bo, you know my favorite is Eric Ebron. Yeah. Maybe your favorite too. Um, I just think he's my favorite signing. I can't wait to see what he does for you guys this season in the offense. Uber talented tight end. Anyone that watches the NFL knows mm-hmm. that. I think he's going to make an immediate uh, impact. And then the other one, Bo, that you loved, and Roy, I want to hear what you think about it too. The, um, the Steelers added TJ Watt's brother, fullback Derek Watt. I like the signing because, you know, obviously the last name, get the brothers in there. <laughs> but I will say you guys didn't use a ton of fullback last year, and I'm interest, interested he's to see how be a much. a special teams player. Yeah, man. I was going to say, That's he's going to have to be like a, a special they, teams like star. 
the the reason why we didn't play our fullback a lot is because Rosie Nix got hurt for a second consecutive year. But I loved Rosie Nix, and that one really stung that they cut him. But it simply is, you know, the best quality is availability. And the last two years, he was not available. And that's really why they went out here. You could say last season, that was where the biggest hole in our offense was at tight end because Vance McDonald didn't put up no stats. Definitely so they went out and got a they went out and got a stud in Ebron, who Mike Tomlin has spoke glowingly about since the time of the draft that they knew they would never have a chance to take him in the draft, but they always kept tabs on him when he was even in Indianapolis. And I think they're really banking on that. What was it? 12 or 15 touchdown production. that he put up in the one year at Indianapolis, mm-hmm. you might see a similar type impact in this offense. Cause Ben loves his tight ends. Go back into the, you know, the late two thousands when he had Heath Miller, Heath Miller was always one of the top five production wise, at tight ends for touchdowns, first downs, an average downfield. Now you have a speed threat like that. Now, if they ask him to block consistently, no, you 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 yeah. misplaced your money. <clears throat> but if you want him to be a pass threat down the seam, that just makes your receivers even more dangerous. And you talked about Derek Watt. I think one of the things you're going to see even more this year is a lot more you know strong package or eye formation, and it's just going to make our offense a lot more versatile. Matt Canada was brought in as the quarterback coach, but I think you're going to see a similar impact as what. Uh, the defensive coach they brought in last year in Terrell Austin. He was the secondary coach they brought in, but he also was a defensive coordinator at heart. I think you're going to see a lot more impact to Matt Canada opening up this offense to be able to do spread systems and then go back to old school, pound the football. And Derek Watt can do a little bit of everything. He's very underrated in his catching ability, and he can fit on blocks at the second level, probably amongst the two or three best, maybe at use check levels. I love this fit. And the other reason, too, you already mentioned it, special teams. We lost our heart and soul to special teams in Dirty Red, Tyler yep. Matakavich. This guy's going to step in. He was tied. I believe he was tied with Matakavich, or he was second in the NFL in special teams tackles the last three years. So that's a direct correlation that why we went out and signed Watt after Matakavich went in free agency early to Buffalo. So who was your favorite signing you guys got? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm I'm not going to touch on the same ones that you did, but I really like the Stefan Wisniewski uh, acquiring him, uh, bringing him in, and then drafting a guy like Kevin Dodson in the same year. Uh, then you have two guys like Wisniewski and DeCastro bringing up a an absolute mauler in Kevin Dotson. That, I heard stories that Kevin Dotson would tell, I guess later in games when they're winning, he would tell guys <laughs> where the ball's going, and, and they would still have successful runs on those plays. Um, and he's he's a much better pass blocker than he's been given credit for, and he's the only All-American guard not to be invited to the Combine. And I think that that's some pretty big disrespect, and I believe he might have been the first non-Combine player selected. And so that's going to be a big time chip. He's a lifelong Steelers fan. And I just, I think our guards have been, DeCastro is one of my favorite picks in the last decade. Uh, I think, I thought that was great to have. He's anchored our line. He's definitely been the best guy on the line since he was drafted, in my opinion. Um, So I really like the Wisniewski, um, I guess, pickup. And then, Chris Wormley, I think, could be a trade that could help us a lot. I think our D-line rotation is going to be a big question mark this year. I don't really trust Dan McCullers and Isaiah Bugs yet, and I think they're going to play more than we're comfortable with. Um, so we're going to need a guy like Wormley who played 45% of the snaps on the defense for the Ravens last year. 
Yeah, absolutely. I just want to jump in here real quick, Jacob. Wisniewski is actually grew up like about an hour away from my live. He went to a local high school. Really awesome young guy. He always wanted to go and play at Pittsburgh, but he wasn't offered a um, a scholarship at Pitt to play. So that's why I went to Penn State. And then he went. Now he signed in Pittsburgh. And that kid, I don't even know he's going to get a chance to play starting snaps. I, you, you mentioned Kevin Dotson. Yeah. I also write for 24-7 Sports, the Steelers' Steel City Insider site. I did an article on Dotson. That guy is a beast. He might be the steal of our draft. Absolutely. He's going to be a day-one starter at left guard, and mm-hmm. he's going to be able to have the presence like Ramon Foster had. The caster, you said, is the anchor, but this guy has the upside. He ran a 4.8 at his pro day. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Side. That's four, a much eight. better athlete than Foster, too. Foster was a big old a big old boy. Absolutely. And the other thing we're not talking about, our offensive line kind of played uneven on the outside with Villanueva. He didn't have the greatest year. But Filer, that's just even more versatility. He could slide in at guard if you don't want Dotson immediately, then slide back out the tackle. You got Chooks a core for Zach Banner playing third tight end. This is what I'm saying. Like, our versatility is going to be ridiculous on the Steelers offense. And if we can have a healthy Big Ben, it's sky's the limit. We might be top three in scoring at the end of the year. And I want to I want to ask Roy one question. How do you feel about the potential for Zach Banner? Do you think he can be a guy to start at right tackle, or do you think he's, he's just not good enough to do anything but that kind of uh, unbalanced formation they love bringing him in as an eligible player? Well, I'll I'll give you a little snippet of what a, a, a some a situation that happened to me last year. I got credentialed to go down in training camp, yep. and uh, I tried to get an interview with Banner. And yep. the one knock on him, even throughout the draft process, when Indianapolis selected him at four, was you know how much an unmotivated person he was, and you know like he he couldn't get you know pointed on one certain direction. Yep. I approached him about an interview. He said, "I'm." I'm not talking to anybody this year. He goes, I'm not trying to be rude. He goes, but we have five veterans starting. He goes, come talk to me next year. So <laughs> I'm telling you right there, that guy's going to be our starting right tackle within two years. I don't um, see a, I don't see Filer getting a big extension of any kind. I I love Filer. It's just yeah. I don't see him it's a good being able story, to fit Adam under Bloomberg. the cap. Yeah, I don't see him being able to fit under the cap with so many other players here in the next two years. And next year, we're only – you know, right now sitting at about, I think, 25 or 28 million left. And you have Dupree and Juju and all them type of players that still need contracts addressed. Hayward yet will probably get an extension. You it's guys just not, have, there's not enough money to go around. You guys have no idea how hard I'm like cheesing right now because you two guys are going at it right now. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm a guest on y'all's podcast and I'm just sitting here like getting informed, like it's majorly informed about the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, cool, cool fact though, Bo, and you told me about this when we were watching the draft again. I think it was when we were watching the draft, or it may have been a little bit after, um, that Kevin Dotson followed you on Twitter, your TSR account. Oh yeah, he was following people back and he said you have to have Steelers stuff in your profile. And of course, like, I mean, I have my, I write for Still Curtain, uh, for fan, with Fansided and that's right there in the, in the front of it. And then our podcast and my pictures, me at Heinz Field. And then my background pictures, my pano picture I took for my seats at the Buffalo game this past year. So he followed me back, and actually, uh, Alex Highsmith's dad followed me back uh, recently too. So I'm I'm pretty happy about those two follows. I can't lie. I'm gonna need to catch some follows, man. Roy, I have a, <laughs> I have a competition going on with Bo to see who can get to a thousand followers first. Uh, so, all right. Um, 
So Bo's to, winning right now, but I'm yeah. hoping I'll, I'll come back and take the lead from him. Hey, I'll have to throw some ads out for both of you out on our pick six pod the next time out here. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Help us out for sure. Um, guys, let's talk about some losses that y'all had. Obviously, the biggest one to me is Javon Hargrave. Oh, I yeah. think yeah. I, this guy was, you know, I would say the biggest loss. Hargrave was a stud in the middle of the defensive line in his four years in Pittsburgh. Um, you also lost offensive lineman B.J. Finney. I think Finney was a solid offensive lineman for the Steelers, and they provided he provided solid interior depth. Um, safety Sean Davis as well. I know he's not a starter, but that's safety. Having depth at safety, I think, is, is a big need, I think, because these guys get hurt. You know, they're, they're hard hitters. They come downhill quick. So you need to have guys that could come in and step in and know the defense real well. If a guy gets hurt, I think Sean Davis, you know, I feel like that's a little big, kind of a big loss for you guys. Um, also, like you said, Tyler, uh, I don't know. Again, I can't say these guys' names. Matikevich. Dirty Red. Matikevich. Dirty Red. Yeah. Dirty well, Tyler Matikevich, and you also released um, inside linebacker Mark Barron. I feel like the depth at linebacker, or at least, or at least inside linebacker, is being tested. By I least. believe that's. A, I think that's going to be our biggest hole this season on defense is inside linebacker. If one, in, if if Vince Williams regresses or we get one injury in there, I mean, God forbid we lose Devin Bush. That is going to be people are going to exploit us big time. Yeah. Well, but what are y'all's yeah, thoughts on the losses and additions in free agency? I think Javon Hargrave is the biggest departure, like you said. Uh, his I don't know if you can think of many guys who play like a nose tackle position, uh, even though he did play a lot of two man sets and a, you know in a, a three tech look and stuff like that. Not many guys his size get pressure like he did, you know. And that's that's we're not going to be able to replace that. There's not going to be a guy at his size that can anchor anchor it down in double teams and still get back there and make things happen. That's just going to be so tough to replace. And I don't think that we did a great job addressing it in the draft. While I'm happy about our draft, Carlos Davis to me seems like another another late round D lineman like Josh Frazier out of Alabama a few years ago that just isn't going to pan out. Um, I mean, I like the attempt. I mean, his brother went in the fifth round. He's got a twin uh, that went in the fifth round, I believe. And six. I mean, six. Okay, and he's yep. a little better. I think he might pan out in the NFL like the the brother, but. I don't know how Carlos Davis is going to work out. And then B.J. Finney really hurt. I wanted them to keep B.J. Finney. He can play center or guard. And I don't know who's going to back up Pouncey this year really at center. And that I haven't really figured that out. I think it's J.C. Hassenauer. But, I mean, he was a practice squad guy. And I don't know how that's going to work out either. So those are my big – those departures right there got me. I think Matikiewicz is going to get replaced on special teams with, uh, with the Derek Watt signing. And as long as our inside linebackers stay healthy, we're not really going to have to worry about that rotational issue very much. So really the Finney, uh, B.J. Finney and Hargrave moves, really, those hurt my feelings a little bit. But I expected the Hargrave one to happen, right. not so much Finney. Yeah, the the Hargrave he kind of figured after they invested in two, yeah. but uh, even though to it, whenever he went down, was playing at an All Pro level last year. That was so devastating to when, see when that. He's out there, of uh, course. He's him and him and Hayward both. But I think this kind of speaks to the way we're approaching defense now. Um, we're not a three four team. Um, you can obviously see that when we're in sub package, what 68 percent of the oh, time. It's a ton. And I, I think this really speaks to, you know, with the Wormley, he's not going to be a conventional nose. I think if we are going to be in a three-man front, I think we're going to have Alu Alu play nose tackle. Um, he just has a better anchor. He's a shorter guy. He can stay lower. 
as a nose tackle, I think that's where it's going to be. I think Wormley's going to be your first guy off the bench that's yeah. going to be your first pass rusher as a defensive tackle. And I think we're going to see a lot of 4-3 type fronts with mm-hmm. as like we seen last year. They they really unleashed Watt and Dupree going forward rather than dropping in coverage with the two down linemen. And I think with the Hargrave loss, I think that's just going to get enhanced. You might see the numbers uptick even just a little bit more. The B.J. Finney talk, like like you said, that one, I, I wanted them to sign him so bad because if you look back throughout his career, what they lose one game whenever he ever started? Oh, it was it was um, like six and one or something. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It, I, they only lost one game he ever started. So that I think that's why I said with Wisniewski earlier, I think he's he got signed once just to be you know kind of a holding place as a left guard. But he started a number of years out in Oakland whenever he was a rookie through his rookie contract at center. So I think he's really? going to be your your center uh, backup there. And I think they're really banking on Dotson or maybe even Chooks Akor for to be that guy at guard. If they're not going to slide Filer into guard, Filer might get the first chance. But if yeah. they're seeing Dotson and how impressive he might be, that might be your week one starter. And then they can be real comfortable knowing Wisniewski if something would happen to either of them guys has the versatility to play center or guard. Yeah, I think you're right about Filer. Filer's definitely to get the first look to slide in and guard if necessary. Um, I think he played he played a lot of guard in college, I believe, didn't he? Yeah, he played guard at, at Bloomsburg. Uh, but then I think it was his senior year he slid back outside to right tackle. Yeah. And they, they played him at both. He actually took snaps at center, too. So he's very versatile. That would be a guy I wouldn't mind if they could get him at a good price signing him long term. Even if a guy like Zach Banner gets everything right, beats your starter at right tackle, there's your valuable sixth lineman that can play guard, tackle, center. You know, it's that depth piece. Um, Sean Davis, you said, um, that was probably, you know, you never wish injury on anybody, but that injury that he sustained with his shoulder last year, gift rep Minka Fitzpatrick, because if he would have been playing, there was talks that they were still in talks about maybe a contract extension with him even though he did nothing after they drafted him in the second round. Um, he was very up and down. They initially played him at corner, then transitioned to a safety. And I was never impressed with Davis. He's a big-time athlete. He just has some t- he has some struggles with p- processing plays quickly. He's always Which a is, step that's, late. That's weird because he speaks like five languages. He's a really smart guy. Yeah. It's just like whenever he's in the, you know, the, the thralls of the motion, like he can't process it. It's always a step. Step slow, and it's like with his physical traits, you know, the four four speed, the jumping ability. That's I, I really hope we're not seeing another case of that with Terrell Edmonds, who's a similar type player. Uh, the big time athleticism, like last year when I was at training camp, the dude when he jumps forty one inches, that's a legit. I literally seen him jump his his I don't know belly button was above the goalposts on a play where he knocked down the ball. Oh. So this guy's ridiculous athleticism. But uh, the losses there in a whole are going to hurt. But I think we did a good job of, you know, patching and, and doing a good job of not having a lot of weaknesses throughout the roster in these last few years that we have been in, under contract. Well, I and think we, the Steelers drafted well. I think, like, like yeah. I said, I think they drafted well. And, like, the Steelers are always uh, – me and Bo go back and forth about this, but, you know, I'm just mostly kidding. The, the Steelers draft very well. The Steelers yeah. are known for drafting well. Um Obviously, they fi- found very good value, and they're good at found- finding value in late rounds. But I think, like you said, Roy, the losses are going to hurt, but you guys have, you, know, you know how to patch up the holes. 
you know how to uh, pretty much band-aid the situation. And I, I, I don't think y'all have really that many weaknesses, especially even after losing Hargrave. Like I said, that hurts. Bo, you said that hurts. But um, I think the Steelers are a very, very, very talented team. And I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on them because um, a lot of people don't know what's going on with Ross. They're, doubting, they're doubting Big Ben. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's but all it is. I don't. If he actually is healthy, if he is one hundred percent, he's actually come out and said that. You know, of course, most players come out and say, "Oh no, I'm feeling great." But he if he actually, ready. if he actually is ready, I think the Steelers are getting slept on way too much. We all know what Big Ben is capable of, and I think you know we'll we'll break into it here in just a minute with the draft class. But I think y'all added some guys, and even just having the guys already that you did have. Y'all have weapons for Big Ben, and I think, like you said, Roy, y'all could be a very high-scoring, explosive team. Yeah, and even then, some of that, like the the depth of some of the younger players that we've developed over the last year and a half. You know, last year's situation, as bad as it was, you know that that confidence and experience that Rudolph got. If something would happen to Ben for a game or two, say he doesn't go out for an entire season, if he's out for a game or two, I'm way more comfortable now with Rudolph being under center, or even if he's out to have a half a game of Duck Hodges, I'd be fine with. But it's just the fact of, like, I think this might be in totality one of the most well-rounded group <laughs> of, of playmakers that Ben has had. And that's saying something when you think about the years with Juju and A.B. and Le'Veon Bell. Now you have guys that you can kind of mix and match whatever you know defense you're playing. If you're playing a defense that shuts down the run, then you have guys like Deontay Johnson, Juju, Chase Claypool now going deep. Ryan Switzer, I think you're even going to see a little bit of reannuance about because Ben really was hammering that last year in training camp. He wanted his Wes Welker, and Ryan Switzer was his guy that he had a rapport with. That's the only reason why he's still on roster is Ben wanted him there, and he was really building that rapport when he blew his arm out. I just think this is one of the you know most well-rounded groups, and with the McFarland selection, you know we have a lot of depth at running back. Yeah, Connors can't stay healthy, but if he can. I love Benny Snell. Jalen Samuels love might be Benny a guy Snell. that they dangle. They might dangle some of these younger guys where they have depth, you know, like a Deion Kane or Jalen Samuels at the end of preseason to pick up more depth in some of the spots where they're lacking, like a safety or an inside linebacker. Those two positions there, usually you can catch a lower, you know, a lower roster or, you know, maybe last year's draft that a new coaching staff don't like and take a chance on them. You can swap those guys at the end of preseason and maybe pick up a high upside guy to be your third safety or fourth inside linebacker. Yeah, and you know, talking about the running back depth, I've been talking with a couple of people and gotten into arguments, and you know, people have told me that uh, you know, some people are really big believers in Jalen Samuels, which Jalen Samuels is great. I, I really like Jalen Samuels as a player, but I think Benny Snell, they drafted this guy. Benny Snell, Benny Snell was an animal at Kentucky. I, I think he, he may have uh, – the majority of the rushing records at Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. And yep. this guy came in, and I think he's played well in the time that he's played. And I think there's no there's no question this guy's number two on the depth chart at running back. Because some other people argue with me saying Samuels should be number two. I don't agree. No, I no think way. Benny Snell 100% no. is number two and, on that running back depth chart. And I think I'm, telling, I'm telling you this right now, Jacob. You're going to see a huge leap from Benny Snell. If you look at his athletic profile, he's the exact same body type as James Conner and Le'Veon Bell when they came out of college. If he comes into training camp at 215, this guy's agility and short area burst are going to be enhanced to the next level. And you've seen that jump with Conner the year that Bell was sat out. He got to the Pro Bowl. 
as hard as a worker as he was and a workhorse back as he was at Kentucky, he can be that at the NFL level. And when you can, the future outlook of the Steelers' backfield is with both 24 and 26. That's Benny Snell and McFarland. I'm sorry. I love James McConner. I don't want to write him off. But his his health just scares me. Like, I think there's some underlying tones there that just his running style, I don't think he's going to be able to consistently stay healthy during a 16-17 game schedule. Yeah. That I, I just can't see that being our future. I think really Snell and McFarlane is our guys. So, so let me tell you this. When it comes to the running backs of the Steelers, so James Conner's first year when it was all on him, Le'Veon Bell was sitting out, right? So we saw what he was able to do when he's pretty much healthy. He he had a great year, great year, yep. pro bowler, and and it, that's the one of the major signs to me that you know. And I'm not taking anything away from Le'Veon Bell whatsoever. Le'Veon Bell is is extremely talented, but it was one of the things I was like, wow, you know, is this more of a system that makes running backs excel? Instead of it being Le'Veon Bell was just like, because, you know, people were nominating him the best back in the league. And then you get James Conner coming in when Le'Veon Bell is sitting out. And James Conner's doing amazing things. And it made me start thinking, okay, is this kind of a system that just helps running backs reach their their potential? And when you're talking about Benny Snell, um, Roy, I remember when Benny Snell was coming out, I can't remember exactly where I had him ranked in my um, – in my running back rankings, but he was kind of a weird guy to scout. He was kind of, he didn't have like top end speed. He was kind of a bigger back. Um, not, wasn't going to really like get by you with a one cut. Wasn't a guy like that. And I didn't really know what team was going to be able to use him or where he would excel at. And when he landed with the Steelers, I was like, this team right here, this team absolutely can get the best out of Benny Snell. And I think they're going to. Yeah, I think I think this I think the Steelers are like a team like New England would have been a great spot for for Benny Snell to fall. Just a team that knows how to use a power running back. I think James Conner and him are both guys that get better the more handoffs you give them in a game. I mean, you really you see some of their best runs when they get up to, you know, 15, 16 carries in a game. I mean, they're really they're hitting their stride through those carries. And like like Roy said, when Benny Snell drops fifteen pounds and trims down a little body fat and picks up a half a step. I mean, he's going to be something to watch. I mean, he had some good games last year, and he he doesn't take crap off anybody. He lays it down out there, and that's the kind of guy we love. We love to have on the field. And I think you were saying the way the Steelers, <clears throat> it's a good place for running backs to land is they don't let any of them do things they're bad at. You know, you know what I mean? They put them in situations to succeed based on what they're good at. And so I think that's what we're going to see, like with McFarland and and with Snell this year. And I I strongly believe Snell's going to come in lighter this year. I think he saw what it took to try and get away from guys. He just couldn't get around that edge this year. That was that was the one thing that that just wouldn't let him take off as a rookie is he just couldn't get out to the outside. Yeah, and, that, that, and, that was the thing with uh, speed, I, like I was saying. But go ahead, Roy. And and remember, you know, Bo, he had this meniscus trimmed midseason. Yeah. He missed four games. He wasn't even fully healthy. Yeah. And like I said, what, with these type of bad, they Steelers, like we always talk about, they always hit on wide receivers. If Benny Snell pans out, you can really look back at a three similar body types with Le'Veon Bell. He was a similar player. James Conner, bigger, thicker back. Benny Snell, bigger, thicker back. Same prototype. They ask you to come in year one, do what you can do. Then in that first to second year leap, you come back 10 to 15 pounds lighter. You're more trimmed. You're more explosive in short areas. And that's where you see the leap. That's I'm. Everything I see, if his knee was healthy at the end of the year and he gets a full off season, he's following right along the same lines as a lot of these guys. Do you uh, do you remember? Do you remember when James Conner came back for his second year? How much more ripped he was exactly. than he was his first year? Insane. 
Roy, the more and more I hear you talk, the more and more it's starting to come back to me. So, so, Bo, let me let you in on something. At Blitzalytics or, or around um, all the Blitzalytics guys, we call Roy the human encyclopedia because this guy <laughs> literally knows everything football. Like, you ask him where a small school's guy went to, went to high school and, and how he did in his math class, Roy's going to know. Like, Roy knows everything. It's absolutely – I've just been sitting here kind of like with my jaw dropped because I forget how much Roy actually knows about, like, the little things. But, guys, talking about the draft, let's talk about y'all's 2020 draft class, and I want to see what grades you guys gave the class. Uh, But let's run through it here and who the picks were. So, in the 2020 draft class, guys, the Pittsburgh Steelers select with their first pick in the second round – a wide receiver, I put wide receiver slash tight end, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. Y'all took Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. I think that was an awesome pickup. Y'all took linebacker Alex Highsmith in the third round. I think that was a good pick. I really like Highsmith. Um, you took running back Anthony McFarland Jr. in the fourth round, guard Kevin Dotson in the fourth round as well. Y'all also got safety Antoine Brooks Jr. in the sixth round, which I think, and I'll get to it in a minute, is great value. Um, and then with your last pick in the seventh round, y'all took defensive tackle Carlos Davis out of Nebraska. Um, y'all didn't have a first-round pick, but I think y'all still had a solid draft and found good value with most of your picks. What is? I want to hear what your, y'all's thoughts on it were, and then I'm going to give you uh, my grade and tell you what my thoughts were. So, Roy, let me hear you hear you talk about what you thought about the 2020 draft class for the Steelers and give you a grade. All right, so for me, when I look at the Steelers draft, I got I to gotta approach it two different ways. First of all, like you said, we didn't have our first round pick for the first time. I believe it was 35 years, 30 plus years at least. So if I'm including Minka as being our first round pick, then we hit an A in this class. But if I'm separating that, if I'm not including Minka Fitzpatrick being our first round pick, to me, I really think we hit B plus in the B to B plus area. Uh, Chase Claypool, I love that pick. Absolutely loved it. The only, the only thing I threw up there in consideration was J.K. Dobbins. Um, those two were really the two guys when we came up on the clock. I really thought we might go with our tendency to really, uh, you know, endear ourselves to o- Ohio Don't State even players. Get started. Oh, Don't you make I'm getting nauseous. I really thought it was going to be Dobbins, but whenever the card was turned in, we heard Claypool. I was ecstatic. 40, 40 inch plus vertical, you know, the big time speed. And, and the one thing that, you know, not many p- people realize is his athletic profile everybody compared him to calvin johnson well i challenge you to go back and look at martavis bryant's combine performance they're almost exactly the same size speed ratio type players and big ben when he throws to a target or starts a game with a target that's six foot two or six foot three and above i believe it's like 80 percent win percentage so we're adding this to our equation of a juju and james washington deontay johnson who was a beast at the end of the year and who's only going to get better, Chase Claypool, to me, signals more than anything what next year our wide receiver core will be. I think this really sets up for our three-headed monster, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Claypool, without Juju being here, because we're simply not going to have the money to pay him, whether that's because you're not sure what kind of production you're going to get, or whether that's just him pricing himself out of the market if he does have a successful season. I have season. so much to say about the whole Juju topic and whether he's staying or leaving, and we'll get to it right. in a minute. But keep going through your draft. Uh, so I love the Claypool pick. I love this. I loved what it added to our offense because we didn't have that big physical receiver in our basketball core, what I like to call our receiving core, is you didn't have that power forward center guy who could go up over people. 
James Washington is more like your small forward, power forward. Smith Schuster's your shooting guard, maybe small forward. You know, Deontay Johnson is the get in and out guy. Claypool just brings a different mentality for that wide receiver core. So I love that. And High Smith is is an excellent pick. His ability to bend, his closing quickness, he has a wide variety of moves. Coming from Charlotte, he put on how much weight from whenever he first walked on at that program. Dynamic athlete. And I think this really speaks to Bud uh, Dupree. I'm not so sure he's going to get his long-term commitment here in training camp. Um, you might see Highsmith, you know, come in, get some snaps, because last year both Watt and uh, Dupree played over 88% of the total snaps on defense last year. That cannot happen again. If we get into the playoffs, they're not going to have the same type of impact if they play 78 80% of the snaps. You need to save yourself to get into the playoffs and have that dynamic run. So Highsmith's going to play valuable snaps if he flashes, you might see a tendency for the front office to say, you know, I, I think we're going to be fine. We're not going to re-sign you, bud, next year. So I love the Highsmith pick. McFarlane, I scratched my head a little bit at first because I wasn't so sure. I get he's a big-time explosive back. And then I sat down after after the selection that night. I mean, I'm like, you know what? I think this really speaks that Benny Snell is the future, and they wanted a different look. So that's the one I, I think of anything I would have – maybe thought of a different pick there than McFarland. But when you look at it, the totality of the way the front office may be viewing that Benny Snell is the future, you want a guy can be like a 70, 30 or 60, 40 share. Cause I'm not convinced Anthony McFarland can withstand a full workload as a workhorse where Benny Snell, if you give him 70% of the snaps and you let McFarland really just be explosive on them 30, that's going to be a dynamic back that you want as your one B type option. Kevin Dotson, we already kind of talked about him. I think he's going to be our day one starter at left guard. Um, big time stud. I believe he was one of the best run blocking um, offensive linemen at that level. Him and Robert Hunt were playing next to each other for the last three years. Just simply move people off the line of scrimmage. Bo, I heard the same story. He would tell opponents exactly the play that he's playing. And they couldn't stop him because they'd be riding five yards down the field. Um, Antoine Brooks. Dynamic player, big time hitter, shirt tackler. I think he's going to be our dime back uh, this year to replace Mark Barron more than anything. And I think he's going to get a lot of snaps on special teams as well. So that's going to be a, a you know a highly valuable asset that you're getting in the sixth round. Carlos Davis, I'm a little more intrigued than you, Bo. Uh, the athletic profile is somewhat similar to John Hargrave, but he needs a lot, a lot of refinement. When you watch his tape, he pops up right out of the stance. An offensive lineman can just bury him. But on the snaps, he stays low. He has a ridiculous arm over move, a swim move, that can get right in the quarterback's face. So if you have an athletic profile of a 4 7 9, 40, and a, and a defensive line coach like we've seen with Carl Dunbar start to get the best out of some of these guys, mm-hmm. I think he might press uh, McCullers off of the roster here. I think <laughs> Thank God. I about, think about I, time. I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of McCullers. If McCullers no, is is any way uh, have a fire underneath him, that type of frame should not be a six lineman on your defense. Oh, even uh, our the um, team, some of his teammates will say, you know, Dan's gotten mad in practice and just thrown people out of the way. You know? I, exactly. I mean, just, I mean, it's weird. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, Carlos Davis, I love his athletic profile. And I think with Dunbar, you give him a chance to be your six <laughs> lineman. It, it, it's between him and McCullers. So, 
at worst, he's going to be a practice squad guy, maybe. Yeah. And then he won't get him. released or cut. I, I agree with you. I think yeah. it's a hard, in my in my opinion, it's hard to teach a guy to to, to get low. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it can't be done. It's a flexibility thing. I mean, he's a big guy. Uh, getting and not being able to stay low is going to kill you in the NFL. Not yeah. having that base under you, it's gonna you're actually you're gonna get steamrolled, like you said, and that's a hard thing to learn. Uh, it's that's like almost like a natural instinct, you know. It, the guys who go high, who who are too high off the line usually stay that way, or they get better at other things in their technique to make up for it and compensate. So, Roy, you're saying your grade is a what? What would you say your grade is? You're saying B plus, B minus area. What were you, what were you thinking? I'm thinking B plus because I think they hit a lot of value. I think not only for this year but future. So I'm going with a solid B plus. All right. And Bo, what, what what's your grade for the draft class? I had a B plus as well, um, and and I, I think I sent it to you earlier. I'm not sure if you noticed that. Me and him did the same thing, uh, and it, it's Chase Claypool's. I think he's going to be a star for the Steelers. Maybe not like a league wide household name superstar, but I think he's going to put up big numbers that we need. It'll be a great red zone threat. He's like you said, where we've been missing that alpha. We've been missing that big alpha player. And another comp that I've heard from him uh, about him is that I think uh, a big uh, his mix of ag- is of aggression and size and speed reminds me a lot of like an Anquan Bolden type player too. So I love that comparison to him, and so I really love that pick. I like you said with the J.K. Dobbins thing. I did a sc- uh, scouting report on Dobbins for uh, Steel Curtain. And I really wanted him when he was sitting there. I was I was just pacing around my living room like, please, like Dobbins, please. <laughs> and I think we could have gotten another receiver, you know, another round or two later that would have had plenty of value at that at that time. And so I wanted it, but like you said, when Chase Claypool came across and all this, the great blocking, the some Heinz Ward traits going in there that I love. Um, and then, like you said, the record with uh, with a six two or taller receiver for Big Ben, he just knows how to get those guys the ball. He knows how to put it in the right spot, and that's something that quarterbacks in the league. That's not some, something many guys have, and Big Ben has that trait. So yeah. great pick right and there at forty nine. Just to just to give you a little snippet here, I, when we were down at the Mo, out at down at Mobile this year for the Senior Bowl practices. Uh, my radar always goes up when I see Colbert and Tomlin walking around. So we were standing right down field level, uh, me, Jack, and Cody, and we're watching, you know, the blocking drill, the stock blocking. And I happened to see Mike Tomlin walk up the uh, the white the white line there, and I I just had I, had, I took a mental note because Claypool went up twice and buried his guy on the oh, third yeah. rep. Third rep, Tomlin had to turn around and walk away because he was smiling so big. So it was like one of them things where he just had to file it away and be like, oh, okay. He, he likes something. And he was <laughs> particularly watching Claypool. He wasn't yeah. watching any of the other people. He was watching Claypool. And you could see him. He kind of like walked off. Like he had to walk like 10 yards down the field just so he didn't tip his hand. So, uh, <laughs> And I think you're hitting you're hitting the nail on the head with that because in the past we've seen uh, pro days that Tomlin shows up to. Normally, guys coming from that school to the Steelers. It happens. It's happened a bunch of times every year. I see sites do little tracking things. They go and see where see where Tomlin and Colbert show up. And it, I mean, when he when he walks over and looks at a blocking drill like that, you know he's interested. And I and there's no there's I heard this too is a perfect 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 way to put it there's no job too small for claypool he's a selfless player on top of the big stats guy he is so i love that um and alex highsmith tons of athletic ability not only does he have great moves he sets them up 
that's something that's very underrated is is you can't just throw things at guys at random the whole game. You need to have a plan in order, especially in the NFL where you have these athletic tackles. You know, these Jason Peters types, they're going to get their hands on you and not let go. you got to be ready for that and plan accordingly. Uh, set up your spin moves. Set up your swims. Whatever you need to do to get it right. I mean, even set up a bull rush when he's not expecting it. That can, I mean, that's that's huge. And Alex Highsmith's that type of guy. And there's a lot, a lot of upside, good value at uh, pick 102. So love that one. And then Anthony McFarlane. Like you said, kind of a head scratcher at first, and the character concerns that everyone was was going wild about when we took him kind of threw me off. But then you dig deeper, and you realize the character concerns happened because a teammate of his was injured under another coach. And I believe those rumors, it was just stuff that was churned up to make him look bad. And I think mm-hmm. everyone is expecting him to come in as a yes sir, no sir type kid, and, and he's got a great chance to play. They gave him Lev Bell's number, so he picked <laughs> Lev Bell's old, old number, and I like that. And they were able to vet him, like uh, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator when Tomlin's he broke son, out, too. and Dino Tomlin is a receiver on that roster, so they have some insider knowledge with him. Absolutely. So um, I, once I, I calmed down after about ten minutes of looking into it a little bit, I was like, yeah, I like this. And not to mention, once he's got daylight, it's to the house. So and we haven't had that until like Kareth White sh- White showed up uh, in the midseason. We didn't have that home run running back, but so, White. White doesn't have the strength of what Mark Farlett done. I think that's what I think they seen what White could do, and they're like, "Holy crap, we don't have a speed guy like this." You could see we him make it as a kick returner. Like it. Oh, absolutely! But I think the two picks here, the second and third pick, more than anything, Bo, I think it speaks to the confidence they have in Snell. I think yeah. they didn't take Dobbins because they're comfortable with Snell and the way his projection is going to be. And I agree with you. I agree with you totally. He's he showed. He showed it last year that he can play in this league. He's just got to get the physical things together, like his weight and stuff like that. Get maybe get with a footwork guy and get get his burst going. Figure out how to get another step on on guys. Um, and then Kevin Dodson, I I think he's going to start. Um, and uh, he's got good guys around him to bring him up, even if he's even if he seems slow out of the gate, which I don't expect happening. Um, you know he's got good guys around him. So and then the, the Antoine Brooks. Uh, like you said, he's going to be our. He could, probably could be our Mark Barron this year. I'm really interested to see the percentage of snaps he plays on defense, and I, I hope that he can be a, a sure tackler in the NFL. I don't want to see him whiffing the Steelers. In the years that our defense has struggled, missed tackles was a huge problem. We don't need we don't need much more of that going on. And we got two guys like Terrell and Minka that aren't bad tacklers. The last thing we need is the is guys coming in, in rotation, you know, missing on tackles and letting up big plays. And um. Carlos Davis, we talked about him. Um, I I think he could he's better player than Josh Fraser. That might not have been the best example, but that's just a seventh rounder that we had uh, as a D tackle that we took that just didn't pan out. Um, if he can get those things like you were saying, get his base under him and be able to handle that at this level, he could be a big contributor. I think he's better than Isaiah Bugs. Um, oh, and that's with the Steelers, you can almost be assured. I think in the last twenty five draft classes. I think it's like an astounding number, like 18 or 19 drafts. We've selected a defensive lineman yeah. in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. So you're always going to see them at it, throwing something at the wall with either athleticism and, and either a practice squad place or trying to get that sixth defensive lineman to be get motivated. Yeah, yeah. And so 
I mean, I thought it was a good draft overall. I really would have liked to see maybe a little bit higher pick in the defensive line um, just to make me feel better about it. But it, I think what we did to address other positions calm me down about that. And then I still think inside linebacker is going to be a big problem for us. And I'd really like to see us maybe dangle a guy like J- Jalen Samuels out there because I think he's going to be the odd man out in the running back room this year. And we don't need to just let that be a guy we release to the street for nothing. Uh, if there's something we can do to bring in depth at another position for Jalen Samuels, I'd love that. I think he's a great player. He's a Swiss Army knife type guy, but he's been in the league a few years now. He's not getting any faster, and he he had what that one game against the Patriots, which was his only hundred yard rushing game in his entire high school, college, NFL career. And, yeah. you know, and he made it this far without one. But I don't think you're going to see any more. You know, that was his one. They had a good game. The O line played spectacular that game. We won up front that whole game. And so I just don't think you're, you're going to see many more flashes like that from him. So if you can get something for him, let's get something for him. I, and I think you're right, Bo. Uh, the thing I always had a problem with Jalen Samuels, it wasn't his athleticism. I'm fine. He's an NFL caliber running back, starting yeah. caliber. It's just his vision isn't there. You can tell yeah. that's why he didn't play running back at the college level. That's why he played tight end and fullback. Yeah. Is he just doesn't see the holes develop like a, a true running back, and that, and you'll see him run right up the back of one he, of his pulling. He can't guards. set it up either. He can't nope. set up a run. And and he has value though. He's a valuable third down asset. He can be a pass protector. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he can be your 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 second back, third back in a committee. There's value there, like you said. I think he could play well end, in New England or KC. Absolutely. Like absolutely. And you can get somebody, you know, that has intrigue at a linebacker position or maybe even a veteran to save some money on a contender's team to take a chance on a running back like that. So on rookie contract. So I've got two B pluses from the two Steelers fans, correct? Yep. Yep. OK, so my grade for the Steelers draft was a B. I went a little bit lower and I'll kind of get to that right at the end. It's something something overall with the draft that made me go a little bit lower. But. Bo, when, when y'all drafted Chase Claypool, I was at work, obviously, and I, I wasn't able to watch the draft. And all you texted me, I just got up my phone, and it said, bro, Claypool. Yeah. That's the only thing the text said. <laughs> I just didn't and, I didn't expect it, but I was happy about it. And I could tell you you were hype. I called you, and you were telling me how hype you were about getting Claypool. Um, I love the Chase Claypool pick. I know there's discussion about whether he's going to play wide receiver or tight end, but I think the Steelers drafted him to he's line up at wide receiver. Outside. Yeah, outside he's playing at wide receiver, 100%. Yeah, no question. Especially since the team already has McDonald and Eric Ebron, I mean, might get just, a, yeah, you might set up a. They might run a look one uh, once or twice this year where he lines up at tight end to mess with the defense. But <laughs> or, that's about or, it. Or how how about a set with McDonald, Ebron, and him all in a trip oh, set on the right? God. Oh, good man. luck. Let me, let me good have luck. <laughs> and I, I love the Highsmith um, pick. You know, out of Charlotte, I just love seeing these guys. You you guys have pretty much given scout reports on the podcast about all these guys. So I'm just going to run through real quick. I love um, seeing these small school guys get drafted. Um, and, and I like, I like him. I think it helps out at, at linebacker with high Smith coming in. Um, Anthony McFarland, like you said, Bo, he had some issues with, with, you know, NFL executives saying he had an atrocious attitude. I, I don't know what all that was about. Like you said, I think they were just churning up stuff. They were kind of just making things a bigger deal than they actually were. But this guy's an the, absolute burner. I think the previous regime might have had something to do with those yeah, rumors. Yeah, it yeah. was absolutely. I, I, I never, when it first came out, I was like, I, I don't even know what to think about this. It doesn't sound like this is all that much of a problem. It's just more people talking. Um, but, you know, this guy's, like I said, he's a burner. He's getting he's a, a paycheck talented, now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, he's a talented athlete. I see him making an immediate impact. And I think 
do y'all see this guy possibly being a like the starting kick returner? Oh, definitely. The, the, I, I think could. absolutely this guy maybe comes in day one as the starting kick returner. Um, like y'all said about Kevin Dotson, this guy's a mean guy. Um, he's a bruiser. I think he adds whether he starts. I think he has starting uh, potential, Roy. You know, you were big on saying that. Uh, but if not, he just already add depth to the offensive line, especially on the interior. So I think that's huge. Um, and then my favorite pick for the Steelers was Antoine Brooks. I just really thought that was good value in the sixth round to get Brooks. I thought he would have come off the board before then. Um, I like what I saw from his tape, so I think that that's a good pick for them. And then obviously after losing Hargrave on the interior of the defense, Carlos Davis, um, you know, depending on how much he plays throughout the season, I think that was another solid depth move. So I think you guys, like like Roy said, you know, y'all 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 filled holes, any weaknesses y'all had, y'all always do very well in um, addressing them. And I think that's what they did again uh, in this draft. But the biggest thing for me is, and why I'm not giving it a B plus or anything higher than a B is because I think y'all should be addressing quarterback at some point. And I, I, I don't understand. I thought, I really thought, I was like, okay, with this draft, you know, they'll take a, they'll probably get quarterback like third or fourth round. It just never happened. Well, it's, what Roy, said, it's what Roy said about Mason Rudolph is that I think the team has faith in him. And I think that uh, it's some time off from that, from a, a season filled with trial and tribulation. No one went through more adversity last year than Mason Rudolph did. Oh, you know, absolutely. A, I agree a, with a that. Year, a year off of that, you know, and then apparently he's dating some girl from The Bachelor or something like that now. Uh, I, was, I was seeing that the other day. I mean, he's he could come in with a new boat of confidence. I mean, he's been working out and stuff like that. I, I, you know, he's definitely he's definitely going to be more comfortable, you know, coming in where he knows he doesn't have to start, but he's ready for it if he has to. I mean, yeah, trials and tribulation. I mean, taking taking one to the head with a helmet from uh, Miles Garrett. I mean, that that's trials. It's playing trials. well and, until that Earl Thomas hit. And the aftermath after. I think that was even worse than getting smacked in the skull with a helmet. The whole aftermath of what Miles Garrett tried to twist the story as. And I think that that made it even worse, whether he did say something or didn't. The way he handled himself, that that's enough to distract you in a full season in itself. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, like you said, whether it was said or not. I don't know if it was said. You know, I have no idea. But I don't know if that's something that Miles Garrett was trying to kind of say okay this is why I did this and protect himself or actually that happened but you know none of us will ever know whether that was actually said or not right like he's pouncy knows he was Marquis there. Right. Pouncy knows Marquis hey, pouncy pouncy like wouldn't he was, stand for that no, no, no absolutely, absolutely. Not. and but you mentioned us uh, you know for me Jacob uh, I wasn't surprised that they didn't go quarterback I think you'll see after this season if we see Ben healthy I wouldn't be surprised next year that we see a mid or even a first round pick invested if they're not sold in Mason being the starter after the Ben era. Uh, I could really see next year being the, the year that you can maybe see them taking a chance uh, as a guy to develop. And then that way Rudolph and, and the draft pick could kind of battle it out for the future with Ben only being under contract, basically. I'd year. be extremely surprised if y'all didn't address it again next year. But let and, me ask, I'm going to ask you first, Roy is, and, and kind of give me a, a short answer is, do you believe in Mason Rudolph being the guy for the, after the you know the post Big Ben era? I I I oh this is a this is a tough one, Jacob. Um, <laughs> Mason for me, um, I think he would cap us off in being an Andy Dalton type quarterback. I think he could get us to nine and seven, maybe a ten and six, make the playoffs a few times, but we're never going to get to a Super Bowl caliber level. It's not that it's not that I don't like Mason Rudolph. I just don't think he has the characteristics of a Super Bowl winner unless it would be an 
amazing defense that's supporting him and a run game that can really, you know, take out some of his shortcomings. I agree with that 100%. Uh, Bo, what's your thoughts on it? I, I mean, it's like you said, it's a tough question. I don't think he's going to be the starter for, a, you know, maybe maybe one year after Ben while we're trying to figure it out. But I don't think he's the future. Um is he more is of a bridge he, quarterback? Is he service? Yeah, if he's if he's serviceable, that's fine. I don't if even if he does start for us, we're not going to win any games because he because we're on the right. back of Mason Rudolph. It'll be because we have a good defense keeping the score low and we're churning up yards on the and ground Mason like Rudolph the Steelers did always just do. Just enough to get the win, right? Exactly. Okay. I mean, it, it it will be a poor man's like game managing Alex Smith type deal to get. It'll be getting by more than winning games, and keep, you know what I mean. It'll be keeping your head above water more than anything, and that's almost what happened this year. You know. We'd have been a playoff team if we beat the Jets in you know, Week 16. You know, it. Yeah. And if we were seven teams, like the new rule, we would have been on. We would have been right. a playoff team last year. You know, so I mean, to and to start out the season last year with with Big Ben getting hurt against Seattle, and then being what what one and th- one and three to start the year in the first four weeks, and then coming back midway through the season, winning four straight, starting with the Chargers game. I mean, those guys showed that they can that they can wade through adversity, and that there's leadership in there to handle that stuff. Absolutely, yeah. and just. For my own purposes, everybody talks about Trey Lance and Travis, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence and, you know, Justin Fields for next year's class. For me, I have one quarterback that I want to come to Pittsburgh next year, and that's KJ Costello. KJ Costello, the former Stanford Cardinal going to Mississippi State. He is the guy I want in Pittsburgh next year. I think that could be our next starter for the next decade. And I don't care who ats me or whatever, but uh, I've been riding that train ever since I've been scouting Caden Smith. And I'm seeing this guy drop dimes down the seam. I'm like, you could sign him up and bring him to Pittsburgh whatever day you want to send him. I love Costello. I love Costello. I actually had him. I don't know if it was, I think it was this year. I had him. This is early when I started scouting um, the, the quarterback class this year. I liked him a lot. Like Costello, I really, really liked him. And like you said, I could see him in Pittsburgh, Roy. I really, really could. That, that's actually a really intriguing. I'm going to go back and watch film after we get off this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm literally going to go back and watch it and just see if I could see him in uh, yellow and black. But, guys, let's talk about your the offense on paper and the defense on paper. I want to see what your thoughts are heading into the 2020 season and see how you feel about your team as a whole. So, on offense, obviously, there is no other starter if they're healthy than Big Ben at quarterback. Um, running back. Now, I could just put James Conner, but I did put all three. I put James Conner, Benny Snell, and uh, Jalen Samuels. Um, wide receiver, Juju. Wide receiver, James Washington. And wide receiver, Deontay Johnson. Now, I don't know where you want to throw in Claypool there. I guess I would say that Claypool comes in for the Deontay Johnson. I'd imagine. I feel like your, be- your best three would be Juju, James Washington, and Claypool. Y'all may disagree with me. I disagree. Um, you disagree. You say, I so you're John, saying. I think Johnson, Claypool, and Juju will emerge okay. the best three. Yeah. I think you could do it either way. I, I would say, okay, I, I, I can definitely see that. Um, and tight end, Eric Ebron. Um, left tackle, Alejandro Villanueva. Left guard, I have Steven Wisniewski. Is that, am I saying that right? <laughs> Wisniewski, yeah. I struggle <laughs> so hard with saying these You're words. doing good. Stefan Wisniewski. Uh, the center, Marquise Pouncey. Right guard, David DeCastro. And uh, right tackle, I said Matt Feeler. But. Obviously, Dotson, y'all had Dotson maybe starting in some areas. So, wh- how do y'all feel about the offense? You know, from top to bottom. I, I like I like where we stand on offense. I think our offensive line is still going to be like the foundation of it all. Our receiving core got a lot better with Chase Claypool. Um, 
who are you going to cover when we come out there with Juju, Deion Johnson, Claypool, and James Washington? You got a lot of guys that can burn you over the top. You got a lot of guys with good hands. Uh, I mean, guys that make plays and guys that can make people miss in, in space. You know, and guys that are decent at finding space when plays break down too. And you know, I'm I'm can't wait to see that. The vintage Ben Roethlisberger play come back. I mean, apparently he's lighter than he's been in two years, and maybe him be able to scoot outside a little bit and make some things happen. I mean, Chase Claypool, if he can figure out that connection, that could be great. And then the Ebron addition, big-time red zone threat. Uh, we we really haven't had a guy who who did we, that people had to fear at tight end in years, in my opinion. Mc, McDonald flashed it with the Chris Conti stiff arm, but for what people thought he was going to be, he hasn't been that 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 alpha dog tight end that we always thought he would be. So I think Ebron's going to give us that red zone threat. And I mean, the the running back room's chocked full of guys that can make plays between James Conner, Snell and McFarland. Um, I believe Samuels is the odd man out still. And I think Benny Snell is going to take, take a leap. Um, I hope Ben plays a whole season and a, a training camp, a training camp battle. I think that could, that would be fun if it, if if JT Barrett took a step up, we've got JT Barrett signed, and I want to see if he wants if he can maybe take it up a notch, maybe challenge Devin Hodges for that third quarterback spot because Hodges was he was the guy that the fans you know endeared and fell in love with, but Mason Rudolph had a little bit better season than him. Devlin just doesn't have the arm strength, in my opinion, to go too far in this league. His he can make things happen with his feet, and he's just kind of a natural playmaker. But he lets them hang up there too long, and I just don't see him being a long-lasting backup for the Steelers. Uh, so I'd like to see where that happens. But, I mean, the offense is solid across the board if everyone's out there on the field. Yeah, the offense for me, Jacob, this is going to be so much fun to watch because I already kind of talked about We can beat you in a variety of ways, and we can match whatever defense you're going to throw at us. Oh, you want us, you want us to go you know, four or five receivers wide? All right, we'll throw out Schuster, Smith-Schuster, Washington, Johnson, Claypool. Oh, we'll go five. We'll throw Switzer in there, too. Uh, so we have two slot-type guys, big-body guys that can win Deion from the Kane's slot. Deion Kane's no slouch. Um, so that's what I mean. We, we can go six deep on our wide receiver depth chart. Mm-hmm. And then the offensive line is talented, veteran, and then you also have some up-and-coming talent. And a Zach Banner, a core four. Um, you got Dotson. Tight end, we can beat you. In a big set with Derek Watt at fullback, you throw McDonald, who's the best blocking tight end on a roster, and then we throw in Zach Banner for a third tight end on the offense. We ha- we go big set and run- pound the ball with James Conner or Benny Snell. Oh, we want to go straight shotgun and go stretch zone. Then we're going to throw McFarlane or even Kareth White because, in my opinion, I don't think Jalen Samuels makes our roster. I think yeah. he's traded in preseason, and I think Kareth White might make the roster as well. We might see four running backs – still kept and quarterback room it's really Roethlisberger and Rudolph and you're going to get between Barrett Hodges and the guy that I think it's going to be our third quarterback Mr. Paxton Lynch if you listen throughout the entire offseason who is the one quarterback they talked about other than Ben's health it's been Paxton Lynch and his pedigree as a first round draft pick it's not saying that I'm sold at Paxton Lynch (laughs) but I think they would rather have Paxton Lynch and his athleticism to be able to even run RPOs or throw the ball down the field with his strength of his arm than they would with Hodges and his medal. Let's just think back and actually remember that Paxton Lynch was a first-round pick. I know. Yeah. I mean, You're I, welcome, is, John Elway. He reminds me of the quarterback <laughs> yeah. version of Artie Burns. It just did not work out. You know? Oh, my gosh, man. That quarterback class in general. Who were the other quarterbacks that came out in that class? 
Y'all garbage, remember? Sure. It, it was uh, it was awful. It, that was a that was a rough quarterback class that 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 uh, that year. I can't remember the other guys that came. I'll have to look it up. But um, so guys, let's talk about the defense a little bit. Obviously, defensive end Stephon Tuitt, defensive tackle Dan McCullers, defensive end Cameron Hayward. Uh, y'all's linebacker. First of all, let me say this: y'all's linebacker room might be the best in the NFL. I was looking at it today, and I don't know. Maybe you can give me another team's linebacker core. I don't think there's any linebacker core that matches y'all's going into the next season if everyone's healthy. You have Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, Devin Bush, and Vince Williams. I don't think there's a team that has those that those guys of that caliber all on one team other than the Steelers. I, I, think, I think it's just really impressive how good y'all's linebacker room is. Obviously, at cornerback on one side, you got Joe Hayden. Other side, Steven Nelson, who, Bo, underrated. How, how long has underrated. Been, how long has it been since he allowed a touchdown? Oh, not last year. He didn't allow it last year. I he don't was remember. Still with Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, it's dude. absolutely insane. And then the two safeties, obviously Minka. I mean, that, not only that, not only they haven't allowed a touchdown, he has low penalties last year too, and that's huge today. The is amount he, of separation is like a toothpick whenever he's he's yeah. on you. He is you on know, your heels. You know, like you said, but you know, Artie Burns, you know, left Pittsburgh. I know you're really, really upset about that. I know no, I'm not. I know you're just losing sleep. I think over it got. Him. You need to watch out for Trajan Bandy coming out of Miami. Yes. Oh, I love him. I'm yes. Glad, I'm glad you mentioned him because we were oh, yeah. talking about oh, Jacob Wood. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm our undrafted class right now. There's three guys that I cannot wait to see them them suit up for us. That He's one a, you just said, Trajan Bandy from, yeah. from Miami, yep. he just reminds me of Mike Hilton when oh, he yeah. came out from Ole Miss. Great blitzer. That, that physical tackling ability is feisty throughout the duration. Love that guy. Josiah Coatney, the defensive lineman from Ole Miss. When we were at senior bowl practices, this guy was pushing the interior of the offensive line around. He can get low out of his stance. So don't be surprised that that is the guy that makes the practice squad or maybe even beats out Carlos Davis because he can push some offensive linemen around with his strength. Either him or Davis will be on the practice squad one for sure. And Calvin Taylor Jr., defensive end, six foot nine, Kentucky? 300 Is that right, pounds. school? Yes. Yeah. The dude last year had seven and a half sacks. He's finally growing into his body, finally realizing what he can do on a defensive line. He's going to be a fun guy to watch in training camp. I love it, guys. And then the safeties, of course, like I was saying, the experiment with Minka Fitzpatrick has obviously worked out. I remember right when me and Bo first started doing the TSR podcast back in November, our first episode, we were talking about we were talking about uh, Minka possibly being defensive player of the year because of how how well he was playing. And, and I think obviously it's just been a steal. Y'all getting him from the Dolphins has worked out for perfectly. the 18th pick. As well, I think we gave yeah. them now. Yeah, that's uh, that what was, I'm saying. We we are we created the steal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then and then obviously another hometown favorite in Danville, Terrell Edmonds at safety. Yeah, that that's that whole situation with Terrell is kind of breaking my heart because when being from our hometown, when we drafted him because he was kind of a reach, and I, I'm not going to disagree with people on that. Absolutely, um, and it's fine. I I can handle that criticism for Terrell Edmonds. That's fine. But I just I was hoping that he would prove them all wrong, and it took Bud Dupree five years to figure I, it out. You know, I'm, and you're on my same wavelength. If you look at Terrell Edmonds' career arc, it's going tracking very similar to Bud Dupree. It's he was such a ridiculous athlete. He just Contact. has to get himself confined to certain techniques and to be used in the right way. His tackling ability is quite impressive. 
Yeah. That's what really set the standard is you let Minka really show his versatility with being able to drop down and play coverage more because of how comfortable you were with Edmonds in his tackling ability. It's just he's not big enough to play dimebacker. Yeah. And, I, you know, he needs to make more splash, splash plays. If you're yeah. going to be an in-the-box safety, you need to make more tackles for loss then. If you're not going to come up with turnovers like Minka, if he if Minka can make up the difference on turnovers, whether it's you know interceptions or passes defense, then you need to force some fumbles with your tackling ability. That's where he needs to take that next step. But like I said, last year at training camp, his athleticism is is evident when you see him out in the field. Ridiculous. And you guys didn't even talk about my favorite player on the defense who is one of the guys we must resign in in preseason Mike Hilton yeah this okay. guy is yep. so slept on his ability to impact as a run defender in nickel packages allows us to play the defenses we do his blitzing ability is top 3 amongst cornerbacks in the entire league he just is a game wrecker in a lot of different ways for being five foot nine, what one hundred seventy six pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that guy. I, and I, I completely agree. He's a complete game changer. No one's in in the NFL. I don't know if you if there is another guy DB that blitzes as well as him, honestly. And I think the big thing is key to his success is having two guys on the outside like Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson that don't force him out there. His best game is inside those is inside near the line making plays. Well guys, so you talked about Terrell Edmonds and kind of going on the same the same uh, path Bud Dupree. The biggest thing that worries me is and this is going to hurt me to say is obviously Bud Dupree figured it out, right? It just took yeah. him a little while, but he figured it out. You know, that's what that's what you're kind of hoping for with Terrell Edmonds. Like you said, Bo, obviously because he's from our hometown, and, you know, I, I want the best for the guy. But he could be a good be, he could be a good target for, like, a bargain deal to keep to help pay other guys in our defense. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be shocked right. if he ended up on our I, team for six or seven you, years. You know what, though? I think this is a, a similar situation since we acquired Minka is kind of the way we acquired T.J. Watt and what they did with Dupree. If you remember, Dupree – played basically the left side early in his career yeah, as an outside true. linebacker. Then him and Watt switched positions after Watt's rookie season. So now this offseason, I'm wondering if they're not going to really realize that Edmund's strong suit is to be the strong safety closer to the line and let him really do that and be utilized. You know, this past season you've seen them not dropping their outside linebackers in the coverage and really let them playing the angles more as an edge rusher. Maybe the coaching staff's going to get that with Edmonds, and we're going to see that next evolution, being that we know the supporting cast is going to be there now for the future, that you have that Minka that we know is the ball hawk. It can play the deep third, or it can drop down. We're going to let Edmonds just do what he does well. That's why I really think this year is going to be – I'm not so down. I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh really hate on Terrell Edmonds in that pick. Yeah, he was a stretch, but late in that draft – that athletic profile he had and the experience that he had at Virginia Tech, I understood the pick because we were desperate for safety help when we took him. Tomlin we loves had Sean Virginia Davis. kids, too. Exactly. That was straight from Tomlin's you know, neck of the woods. And this guy, the athletic profile, the experience, you know, the pedigree with his family being in the NFL, that really speaks volumes and what they value highly in the Steelers organization. So I think this year you'll see that being, you know, the the square piece getting put in the right place rather than trying to force it into the round peg. Yeah, and I think, obviously, just going through the Steelers' defense, you guys, like you said earlier, Roy, if you guys can be 80% of what y'all were last year, y'all are going to be 
that's going to be the strength. As long as Big Ben's out there. Exactly, right. exactly. But, the, you know, the, the Steelers' defense, I mean, it's just talent everywhere. They play well together, obviously. And, I mean, but what were y'all's rankings last year in, in, in pass and rush? Well, I we, know, were, we were number one in sacks. sacks. Yeah. yeah, We're the only team the last three years to have 50-plus sacks each year. Were you also you also led the league in uh, turnovers and sacks, right? Yes, we did. Which is absolutely ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And so I think it's it, like I think we honestly in like total total defense, it might have been like a top five finish. But I mean, those are the two most important things in the way of the modern the the way the modern game is played: sacks and takeaways. You have to have absolutely. the extra possessions or everything, absolutely. and long and long downs. You have to force the other team to play from third and long, second and long. You have to. And when you can honestly sit back, Bo, if we, you know, Jacob, when we sit and look at this entire roster, if Big Ben's healthy, our biggest glaring weakness, in my opinion, is as punter. Our punter is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And But for a team and a front office to look at an entire roster, one to maybe, you know, the backup deep of players that can play at least over 500 football, that speaks to the caliber of play. That's what the what is to be expected in Pittsburgh this year. <laughs> Didn't Absolutely. Jordan Barry have a like a twenty five yard punt last uh, year? Uh, it was terrible. His le- yeah, I don't know how atrocious. he's still in the roster. I'm still I'm hoping our Corliss right, Waitman gets you know, beats him out. Right. It's just that's terrible. Guys, I want to break down and have a little bit of fun for everybody listening. I want each of you to give me your top five stingers ever. So, do you guys want me to give you my list first? Yeah, and, let's hear it. Yeah, let's hear right. yours first. That'll be good. Yeah. So my list, number five, starting with number five, is Terry Bradshaw. Um, this guy, in Pittsburgh at least, was the king of like fourth quarter scoring, like fourth quarter um, moments. And I think, obviously, we all know how good Terry Bradshaw was. Now, obviously, some people don't think Terry Bradshaw. They, some people think he's better than he was or he's worse than he was. But um, obviously, we know Terry Bradshaw. He's a Hall of Famer. And he comes in at number five on my list. Number four is Franco Harris, running back. Um, he was the guy with the immaculate reception. Started it all. Started mm-hmm. it all. So, I mean, obviously you've got to have him on this list. He we also – his stats tell the story, too. He, he This guy was an animal. What were you going to say, though, bro? I'll say some people forget we didn't – that wasn't our first Super Bowl year. We That happened in, like, 1972. Mm-hmm. And then we took Joe Green, I think, in seven, the draft before 74 is when it all started going. Joe Green almost quit the Steelers, too. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but number – so, like I said, five is Bradshaw, four is Franco Harris. Number three for me is Big Ben. I don't know if he will move past this for me. Big Ben, as great as he is, I don't think he'll ever move past the two guys in front of him. But obviously, we know multiple Super Bowls. Big Ben is the guy. He, he's the guy in Pittsburgh. And he, he and when he's healthy, he shows you what he's still got. It doesn't matter how, how old he is. This guy still comes and plays every day. Um, number two for me is Jack Lambert. I just read the funniest story ever, Bo, on uh, Ed Roy, on uh, Jack Lambert. It was John Elway talking about, I think it was his rookie season, Jack Lambert came out and uh, knocked him out of the game, hurt him oh, really yeah. bad. And when he was talking to reporters, <laughs> Jack Splat. yeah, uh, yep. J- uh, John Elway said that he did that. Um, Lambert was like snarling and dro- like like um, drooling from his mouth and just like saying <laughs> stuff he couldn't understand. And he said that at that point, John Elway was like, "Hey, I may just want to go be an accountant because I, I don't want to play football with guys like this." And it actually made him. He t- he actually came out and said that it made him question whether he wanted to continue his football career. About to call the Yankees back up and go back it, and play. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then number one, there is no one else in my opinion. No one tops Mean Joe Green at all. This guy was an absolute monster 
on defense. I think he was like in 11 Pro Bowls. I think he's two-time defensive player of the year. Minjo Green is the epitome of Steelers football, in my opinion. Yeah. I like your list. list. I like I like your I like list. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to start out, and I'm going to give one honorable mention that crushed me not to put in. I got Rod Woodson as my honorable oh, mention. Rod Woodson. Yeah, absolute <laughs> God. His years are Pittsburgh, total lockdown. And I mean, he just did it all for that defense. And in, in a time where we had a good defense, he still stood out. And so, uh, but I have him as he just barely missed it. I love me. I loved it. I wish I could have done it. And But I have Big Ben as five. Uh, Big Ben is two-time Super Bowl champion, seventh all-time in career wins, sixth all-time in postseason wins, uh, fifth all-time in win percentage. You know what I mean? Two-time NFL passing leader. All the pedigree is just there. So Big Ben, and I don't think anyone would disagree with keeping him in the top five. Terry Bradshaw is my number four. My number three is Jerome Bettis, the bus. Oh, the bus. Yes, man. He is... I don't, I don't, I don't think you could go to Pittsburgh and not have someone put him in their top five. The bus he finished, I think, in top five, maybe the third all time in rushing when he retired, something like that. Um, just, I mean, the, you, there's not enough words to describe Jerome Bettis between character, between athleticism for his size, power. I mean, playing through injuries, just great family man. I mean, having guys over for dinner with his, at his mom's house. I mean, just, just. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been as successful through those years without him. And then my number two is Troy Palomalu. Um, did you say Troy Palomalu, Jacob? Did you leave him I off? Did not. Nope, he left no. him off. I cannot believe you. I can tell you're a Bengals Ooh. fan, but <laughs> Troy Palomalu. He's. I mean, I think he's probably the best player and best defensive player in Steelers history all around. I mean, I, they put his numbers up against Earl Thomas uh, the other day. I looked, at, I saw that comparison. It's just he's still just moons better. I mean, just. Like we will not see another talent come play safety for the Steelers. I mean, Minka's great. I don't think he's Troy. I'd trade him in a heartbeat. I'd give me yeah. Troy back. Give me yeah. Troy back now. Between tackling, playmaking, just an instinct for the game. I mean, special teams plays and jumping the line on field goals and things like that. I mean, and and and, and on goal line stands. I mean, it's just no one did that stuff. And then, obviously, I have Mean Joe Green. The foundation that anchored the best, probably the best team over a ten-year span in NFL history. So I think you have to put Mean Joe up there. Do you remember when Mean Joe Green he he didn't want to go to the Steelers because they were kind of subpar, and he turned them around? Oh yeah, dude. And I'll tell you, I read I read a book on on the Steelers, um, just about different stories. Like, man, that dude. When you remember the Coke commercial. Yeah, Do you hear yeah, how many Cokes yeah. he drank in a day? Oh, it was ridiculous. It's insane. Like, <laughs> big Cokes, too, because his hands are so big, and it had to look right for the commercial. Like, big old Cokes. That man, nobody like Joe greeted. I, I, I would love to have put Jack Lambert on there, too. I mean, I heard some crazy stories about Jack Lambert back in the day. Missing teeth in the front. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he oh, would. Yeah. Apparently, the, the sauna at Three Rivers was, like, his. And, like, after games, like, only certain people could come hang out with him. And they would fill a trash can full of beer. And, like, it'd be, like, five or six guys only in there. And it was, like, guys that had big games or veterans and stuff like that. You had to be, like, to be in with Jack's flat. Exactly. You had to to be laying it all down to be be hanging around with Jack Lambert. Nice. Well, guys, I, I don't I don't mind to be the, the different perspective here. I kind of took this a different way because I knew you guys were going to hit a lot of the same players. Uh, I went kind of the more whimsical route because I was born in 1990. I wasn't around for the 70s era, although I'm very read into the Steelers history. Um, 
but I went to players that personally meant a lot to me uh, since I started watching with my dad when I was like about two or three years old. Uh, but I did want to throw an honorable mention out there for the history buffs. Uh, Ernie Stotner, uh, do you guys know anything about him? If yeah. not, uh, you need to go back and read some of the stuff about him. He was the only player that ever had his number retired for the Steelers prior to Mean Joe Green. Um, the dude played one game. I believe he fractured his wrist. And he still got about five and a half, six and a half sacks in a game. So this guy was ridiculous back in the 1930s, I believe, the late 30s. I was reading some of the stories about this guy. Just, you know, for poor teams early on in this franchise, he really made a name for himself. But I'll jump right into my top five. Like I said, this is more personal to me growing up that I was really attentive to. My number five, the the original Taysom Hill, Cordell Stewart. Cordell Stewart, this guy does not get the credit. He should have never been a quarterback, which would probably happen to Taysom Hill if he's ever the starter in New Orleans. Um, versatile athlete. He was just fun to watch, especially when we had crappy quarterbacks like Neil O'Donnell throwing him. I mean, not throwing the Super player Bowl. of the year, wasn't he? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And you know what? A little personal history. I won a contest one time to attend Cordell Stewart slash camp uh, for football. Uh-oh. He was a really cool guy and actually made my my personal top 10 sports center list. Um, I laid out for a catch for the local news channel. I, I caught it from Cordell Stewart. So I had to throw Cordell in there at number yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, number four, James Harrison. You're talking about Jack Lambert being scary. I would not want to meet James Harrison in a dark alley anywhere. He's the this franchise guy, sack leader, right? I'm telling you. And then to have his biggest highlight you ever see – is running a hundred and some yards to, you know, in the Super Bowl. That's not who he is. He's destroying tackles by simply bench pressing them back into the quarterback. Yeah. yeah this guy's workout uh, regime is ridiculous. He's and, still, he's still pushing like 1200 pounds around, you know, and his personality is even better. Like I remember uh, three years before he left Pittsburgh, he went out and bought a dump truck and a snowplow and was going around neighborhoods, plowing people out when a local snowstorm was going around. So, not only great off the field, like on the field, he's just ridiculous. So um, my number three is Heinz Ward. How could you not make a Steelers oh, list without Heinz oh, Ward? Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping someone would do this for Heinz Ward. Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Uh, uh, you know, for obliterating guys for blindside blocks and just, you know, playing without ACLs in his knees, being the ridiculous contributor, he, he, you know, they always try to replace him with bigger draft picks. And he was that consistent force throughout the the duration and the smile after every big hit and them Cincinnati games always irked them big time. So Hyde's were at three, number two, Bo, you already mentioned him, Jerome Bettis, you know, seeing Tim Lester and Dan Kreider get nicknamed the uh, bus driver. It just really made me want to get the ball in the backyard and just run over some of the local kids around me. Um, if he could, if he can make it at 265, 275, running the ball and being one of the best all the time, Jerome Bettis got to be on this list. He embodies Pittsburgh. And my number one, and this is really on a different platform, Troy Polamalu. I've never seen instincts like that on the field, like Troy Polamalu. The game where he jumped over the line of scrimmage at the goal line and tackled him in the backfield before he even (laughs) handed the ball off. I will never forget that play the rest of my life. I think they're playing the Titans. You think he sat Kerry Collins? I think I remember the quarterback. Yes, it was Kerry Collins. (laughs) Yeah, local Penn State legend, Kerry Collins. He he jumped. He taught like. 
And he did it multiple times or, yeah. or coming from the deep third, 25 yards out in the side and making a one-handed interception. Oh, like it, it's just it's simply the chargers ridiculous. pick the chargers yes. pick. Oh my gosh. Dude. That's what I mean. Like you, you, could run, snow. you could run through a whole ver- litany of highlights and, and you still would only, you know, talk a minute of what his entire career was. So Troy Polamalu is number one for me. See, you guys are making me feel so bad right now for leaving him off. Cause I love Polamalu, but I just thought, Okay, I know you can't believe it, bro. I know you're going to give me <laughs> shit for this two. for the rest one of the week. I can already tell you. No matter what, you got to have him at one or two. Okay, well, I, I thought Mean Joe Green and, and Jack Lambert were two perfect people to have at one and two. There's a lot of guys to pick from in Steelers history. There's a lot of people, yeah. The Steelers, yeah. The Steelers have so I mean, many Mel great Blunt players. was a great hey. corner. Donnie Shell. I mean, it's just... I, I did the top. I did the top hundred list for Blitzalytics of just the Steelers before last season yeah. for the hundredth season. It was so hard. Like some people were saying, like the Buccaneers, how hard it was to get a hundred. I'm like, I left probably fifty players off. It would have been top fifty on other franchises. <laughs> yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like I'm not trying to rip one, but I'm like the Steelers franchise has been blessed with a lot. like wow. one of my favorite players. I didn't even mention was Brett Kiesel. Oh, yeah. The beard Gosh. and the way he made himself from a seventh-round pick and then the force he made himself opposite Aaron Smith, who's another awesome player. Mm-hmm. Casey, Casey Hampton. Oh, I mean, man, what a uh, line. What a, And they uh, didn't do much two-man crap back then. That was mostly no. Hampton, Smith, and Kiesel putting in work all game back then. And Hampton, like – his legend of what he ate at training camp is, is benounced to his own. <laughs> they used to make him four whole turkeys for lunch. Jesus Christ. It makes, <laughs> makes, different makes breed, Damon man. Snacks Harrison breed. look small. Right. He looks like an appetizer. Yeah, I mean, James Ferrier had an amazing career at the Steelers. Oh. I mean, that, you could go with that team, that those 2000s teams. And, I mean, even like we had, I mean, we had Kevin Green there. We had oh, Greg oh, Lloyd, Kevin. Jason Gildon. I mean, there's a lot of... A lot of good players Levon out there. Kirkland. Oh yeah, it could. We could. God, y'all, could go. could, y'all could sit here and talk. I, I can already tell this could go on for another could, thirty minutes. Y'all just listing players right now. This is this is killing me right now. This yeah. guy. You know what? I can't wait for the Bengals episode, folks. I'm, I'm gonna do it to you too, man. Um, but guys, let's talk about the record prediction for next year. The schedule just came out. It's big news. Um, I'm gonna tell you right now. I have the Steelers going ten and six. Yeah, I went through it last night. I said ten and six. Bo, what's Way your prediction? Team. I got 11 and five, but it's going to depend on, I have us taking one from Baltimore, which is like my bold prediction game. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's just me being a hopeful fan. Yeah, I had, uh, I had y'all losing both to Baltimore, nothing against the Steelers. It's just the way Baltimore's built right now with Lamar Jackson. I mean, we played them tough last year. I think we picked Lamar off uh, two or three times in Heinz field. I mean, if big Ben's out there, you not can't give us three picks and expect that not to be a game. Oh no, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Boy, what's your prediction? I'm I'm going with Bo. I'm going eleven and five. And it's just because you usually when you look at our schedule for uh division opponents, you know Baltimore are probably gonna split and the anymore with Cleveland now with the powerhouse they're building there. If Mayfield's healthy and has his head on right, it, I think those are gonna be splits. We'll probably lose a game that I believe I believe we play Kansas City. We'll probably lose to them. No, we don't so, play Kansas City. I don't have them. No. Here. I'm looking at no. I have us losing to Tennessee, Philadelphia, one to Baltimore, one to Dallas, and one to twice. Buffalo. Buffalo ah, is our only loss in our last five games. Last six games. Oh, God, even more than You that. said the Bengals twice, right? I beat, yeah, Bengals I got us twice. beating the Bengals. I got us beating uh, the Bengals twice. Yeah, so. we'll see. We'll see. We're going to be um, all over Joe Burrow. Be two yeah, and yeah, oh between Cincinnati. Yeah, two no, and oh against no, no, Cincinnati. No. We know that's not how it Has ever Has Big happens. Ben ever lost in their stadium? 
Uh, yes. uh, I don't think so. Man, what? Probably Wait a once second. Or twice. Wait a second. Once or twice. Okay, I was going to say, he's <laughs> definitely on. lost him. Pops. He's got a better Maybe record early, in Ohio than years. any quarterback. All right, all right, all right. Well, we're, we're, let's, let's get on to something else. Anyways. anyways. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you guys buying? So I'm going to give you my answer, and I'm going to let you come up with my answer. Are you buying that this will be Juju's last season? So here's my answer with this. It all depends on money. If you ask me personally, I don't think Juju deserves wide receiver money because I don't think he's put up wide receiver one numbers. That's just I'm gonna be that frank with it. I just do not think he's put up wide receiver one numbers. Um, but nowadays we know how the market is. The market tells teams what they have to play pay players. That's just how it is. Uh, but in my opinion, if he asks for wide receiver one money, I'm not paying it. You guys can go from there, but I'm just being frank. I love Juju. I, I love the energy he brings to the field, and he's obviously a fan favorite, but I don't think he's put up wide receiver one numbers, and I think that's the kind of money he's going to be asking for. Yeah, I, I'm buying this is his last year. I think the selection of Chase Claypool kind of is tipping the hand somewhat to this. Um, it's not saying they wasn't happy with his effort last year. I just don't think he's built to be a number one receiver. And even if he's a really good number two, are you going to pay him 13 to 15, maybe even 17 million a year? That's what I'm no. Saying. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to. And not only would you not pay him, but we only have 28 million next year in cap space. And you have guys like Cam Hayward that's due, Alejandro Villanueva, Matt Filer, Mike Damn. Hilton. James Conner, and even Vance McDonald. Who are you going to pay? Are you going to keep, you know, are you going to let Mike Hilton go to keep Juju when you already have three receivers on deck? No. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm with, I think I'm with you. I'm not, and I think it also depends on how the season goes. If he has a big season, I mean, anything could happen if you put up a bunch of numbers. You know, you never know. But, um, I mean, you got to look at guys we've let go that were really good. I mean, the Steelers, the same front office, let go of Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, Santonio Holmes, Mike Plaxico Burris. I mean, we've let go, we've let a lot of guys walk because of money, and then brought in capable guys right behind them. And I that's think, what I'm saying. and that's why he said Claypool kind of tips the hat. Deontay Johnson's panning out. Washington took a step between his first and second year, which is what you look for. So, I mean, if we got guys going deep, if, say, Deion Kane still contributes mm -hmm. and takes a step, I mean, if we can go four or five deep, I don't see why you hand him a big percentage of your cap space for your offense. I just don't see why. And you got to kind of consider, too, you know, we talked about the losses of free agents next year, how well they are at identifying receivers. If you already have those three receivers in hand with Washington, Claypool, and Johnson, yeah, you're going to be getting probably an additional four three or four due to Hargrave if he blows up in Philly like I think he's going to. We might get a third comp pick and maybe even another fifth or sixth due to some of the other guys we lost. So you're going to have extra ammo to go, you know, throw another receiver out there that we already are really, uh, you know, adept at finding later on in the draft. I think I just you're going to see a lot. A lot of these receiver drafts are going to be deep going forward. I think you're going to yeah. see a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I already love the receiver class next year. I don't know if you, how much you've dug into it, Roy, but I love the receiver class yeah, next it's, year. Yeah, it's almost on par with this year's, and that's, that's what sick I'm saying. To say. It's unbelievable. Roy, I have three questions for you, okay? I, mm -hmm. And I did want you to prepare for them. I wanted to catch you on the fly. Um, and I want it off the top of your head. Who is your sleeper team this coming year? Ooh, boy. Um, let me think about it. Don't worry, it. you're not the first guy we've done this to. This is yeah. now two people now that we've called on the fly and asked these same three questions. Who is my sleeper team this year? 
You know what were what? the answers I, we got, Bo? Jets and who else? Yeah, two of us took Jets, and I don't remember who Pete took. Did Pete take? I don't know if it was who the did Pete take? Dolphins. He took the Dolphins. He took Dolphins. Dolphins. You so know, we've got two for the Jets, one for the Dolphins. You know who I'm going to go with? Is my boy out in Arizona, Kyler Murray. I think they're going to go about 10 and, I love it. 10 and 6, 11 and 5. I'll ride that train. we got Nuck Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, some of the defensive playmakers like Isaiah Simmons now in that defense. Yeah, Ooh, give me Arizona. I love it. I love it. Um, who's your MVP pick this year? Oh, boy. Russell Wilson. I love it. Bo, you see, see, Bo, I've been saying it for a while now. Russell yeah, Wilson. yeah. Russell I like Wilson. the pick. I agree. Definitely uh, going to be top three in voting. All right. And, uh, Roy, who is your matchup in the Super Bowl this coming season, and who wins it? Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot here. Well, just because this is this episode, I think Big Ben stays healthy and Pittsburgh's in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Oh, here we go. Here we go. My man. Oh, my God. Pittsburgh, Big Ben versus uh, Tom Brady. Oh, man, that'd be amazing, though. I would love to watch that. I'd actually beat him this time. But if the Steelers won, I wouldn't want to be within – Two and a half miles. Of We're one of the few teams that could maybe cover that receiving core. That's what I was just thinking. Like Godwin and Evans, we got Hayden and Nelson, and then you got Hilton, you got Fink, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. You know, it's out there. Could shut, that, that could happen, guys. I've got to say, and I actually really enjoyed it. But I think this is the least I've ever talked on my own podcast, <laughs> sir. But I loved hearing you guys. I loved having because neither one of you had met Roy. I was telling Bo, I was like, Bo, like. Y- y'all gonna be y'all gonna hit it off immediately, like just the way y'all talk about the Steelers and everything. So I've really enjoyed hearing you guys get to meet on this podcast and then get to talk about your favorite team. It's been a lot of fun. And Roy, it has been a ton of fun having you on the Steelers fan episode. I know Bo loved talking to someone that loves the Steelers as much. As I'm, he I'm gonna miss this episode. Yeah, Bo is gonna, gonna miss this. this. Bo is gonna, gonna have get a lot this of other squad. teams to go. This is the yeah. second team. <laughs> Anytime you need me to come on and talk Steelers, I'll be here for Bo. So I might have to make my own episode. <laughs> you know. What yeah, I mean? but but Roy, I always love talking football with you, and I cannot wait to get started on the 2021 draft class with you and the other Blood Scouts. We absolutely like absolutely like you said, crushed the 2020 draft season and your hard work Roy I've got to say it did not go unnoticed man it's all because of you and you uh helped me out a whole lot like I said I had a lot going on and you were very patient with me and you did a great job with the Blitz uh scouting department this year man so big congrats to you I I loved working with you and uh working for you doing all that um guys please go follow Roy on Twitter at Preacher Boy Roy This guy, like I said, is the human encyclopedia when it comes to football. (laughs) Guys, please go follow Blitzalytics on Twitter, and please visit Blitzalytics.com. Go to the Members tab, find Jacob Patterson, check out some of the scouting reports that I've done for this year and some of the articles I've written. Also, check out Roy Countryman, like I said, the head of the Blitz scouting department. Please go check him out. Bo, go ahead and give him your plug, man, so they know where to find you. Yeah, You can find me on Twitter uh, capital TSR, lowercase B-E-A-U, it's at TSR Bow. Uh, you can find me there. You can uh, go to stillcurtain.com uh, with the fan side network. I do some contributing writing for them. I just had an article come out on uh, whether uh, Alex Highsmith could replace Bud Dupree, so go check that out and give it a read. Um, and then, obviously, you can find me here every week with you. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And please go follow me on Twitter at Scouting LLC and go follow TSR on Instagram at Scouting underscore LLC. Guys, it was a lot of fun. Roy, Bo, it's time for me to get out of here, man. Y'all have a great one. 
You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in This is the TSR pop where all we do is win It's just football fiends on a mission Delivering opinions of my significance Man, I hope you've been listening Cause scouting is the business You're welcome cause it's a privilege Most people in this position just don't give it away, no so all that's left to say now is welcome to the show Cause you know Jacob and Ball were ready, so let's go